You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less, realistically. It's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. Today, I am bringing you a guest episode that is kind of like a minimalism stories episode, and that's really what I planned on as we had this conversation, but I realized we never really mentioned the word minimalism (laughs) that much. Instead, my guest today is really sharing his story on just tidying up his life. And to me, it is one in the same with living with less. My guest today is Tyler Moore of Tidy Dad. Tyler is a New York City teacher and father of three who began tidying to handle a midlife crisis and now inspires others to make space in their lives for things that truly matter. As you can see, his mission really aligns with Minimalish in so many ways. And I just love his story of how he and his wife have simplified their family's life in ways that make sense for them in this season. This conversation is really focused on what it looks like to survive, but also thrive. He calls it survival um, in a season with young kids or just really in any season where you're kind of in the middle of surviving, but also learning what it looks like to thrive in maybe the midst of a hard season. He gives tips for starting new routines, especially in new seasons of life, in busy seasons of life. And he shares a lot about the emotional side of decluttering and just emotional decluttering in general and how tidying his physical space really helped him and continues to help him emotionally as well. So I just love everything that Tyler shares and stands for online. And he is just fun to talk to as well. So this is a fun conversation, but it's also really deep. I can imagine that if you sit down with some coffee and listen in, or if you're on your commute, you're going to be chuckling along the way, but also just feeling a lot of things and learning a lot of things as well. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Let's dive in to this conversation with Tyler. Okay, Tyler, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Um, I'm excited for our conversation. We were just talking before we hit record. We both have a teaching background, so I always feel like I can relate so much to other teachers. Yes, we can, um, we can empathize with one another. Yes, exactly. And you're in the thick of it right now with back to school just starting. But can you tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are and what you do before we really dive into your story? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's always a privilege to have an opportunity to share on other people's platforms. And it's always, it's just cool, especially as you were talking about, to talk to other teachers who are also using their gifts still of like teaching and inspiring, but in new and different ways, which is cool. Um, but my name is Tyler. I'm known as Tidy Dad on Instagram, and I have a website, thetidydad.com. Um, so I always say that it's sort of like the superhero moniker that people have given me, but I never had a nickname growing up. So now when I'm walking on the streets of New York City and someone's like, hey, Tidy Dad, like it makes me feel, I don't know, like really special. Um, but I am a father of three. My wife and I and our girls, we live in New York City. Um, we live in a small, 750 square foot apartment, but we also have a cottage in Pennsylvania. So that's where we spent the summer. And now we're transitioning back to this back to school season. And so I use my platform to share hopefully tips and inspiration for tidying and organizing and cleaning. But as I also share the concept of tidying, it really takes on two different levels. There is the physical tidying, which is the actual 
process of like putting things back in your space and making it feel like this calm retreat once again. But there's also this process of tidying up your mental health, which relates to so many different things between your profession or how you spend time or how you relate to your kids and your spouse and develop friendships. And so I really do try to use my platform, as I mentioned, to hopefully inspire people to figure out what are the ways in which they would like to tidy up their lives and then give them some realistic tips. Because as I share, I'm in the thick of it, um, you know, between working outside of the home as a seventh grade math teacher, but then also having three young children at home. We're sort of in this constant state of reassessing and reevaluating what are the routines that we have in place? What are the systems that we have in place? How are they currently serving the current season of life that we're in? And so it's really been fun to step alongside people as they're on their own sort of tidying journey um, and just offer some ideas about ways in which we've simplified, ways in which we've tidied up, because hopefully it can help them too. Yeah, I I love your story. And when I kind of dove into your content and learn more about all that you talk about, I was just, it was one of those moments where I, I feel like every time I look at someone's content where I see someone who has just like, it seems like you have so many great routines that are really working for you and your family. And of course, we all know that there's life behind Instagram yeah. too, right? Yeah. But I always kind of think to myself, okay, there has like had to be so much work in simplifying as you were mentioning, to get here to this place where you have these habits and routines that, that are really working for you and your family. And I love to hear that there is that like surface level of what we see, but also the deeper level. And that's what we talk about a lot on Minimalish here, because whenever I first decluttered our home, it just like had so many ripple effects yeah. in in just so many deeper ways. So I'm excited to dig in to your story. Um, how did you first kind of decide that you needed to simplify and kind of declutter and as you uh, say, like tidy up your life? Yeah. So I feel like for a lot of my life, I had lots of strategies to sort of manage not only that like sort of like the internal mess that we all feel at, t at times, but also the external mess. And it really came to a head when we had our second child. Um, so we had a two-year-old and we had a newborn. And I feel like for many people, that was the moment where we were sort of like, oh my gosh, now everything just got real. And like some of that was, we went from two on one, it's like that defense to offense, the two on one, to now two on two. And I had just taken a, you know, a promotion at school as a school administrator. I left teaching, went into the role as dean, and I felt like I had sort of maxed things out. You know, obviously, parenthood is such a gift, but which with that gift also comes an incredible amount of mental and physical sort of stress, not to mention the exhaustion. And... As I was walking to school one day, I just found myself in tears thinking about the two-year-old at home, the six-month-old at home, my wife, thinking about my responsibilities at school. We were also sort of wondering about life in New York City. And we were like, okay, we're committed to staying here, but what is that going to also mean for our physical space? And I felt like I just didn't have the bandwidth to deal with all of those messes that seemed to be happening simultaneously. And so I took leave from my job in New York state. We had a newly passed paid family leave law that went into effect when my second daughter was nine months old, which meant that I was able to take um, full time about a month and a half off. And then I was able to work part time for the rest of the school year after that. Um, I'm very frugal by nature. So I had never made a decision that would impact my pay because I didn't get my full salary, but I still got with that newly passed law, you still get some small amount. But for the first time I was like, you really need to stop and reassess and just press pause for a moment. Because I feel like so often we're so quick to make 
these rash decisions, but oftentimes we just need a little bit of space, which I feel like what you were mentioning, that goes with decluttering. Like decluttering is the process of making space in your home, but we also need to declutter our minds. And so when I had that space, when I was able to step back and sort of assess, what do I really want from life? What do I really want my home life to look like? What do I want my relationship to look like with my wife, with my children? What do I want from my time? That's when I realized, I think it's time to step back from being a dean. I think it's time to transition back to teaching and also just reevaluate what is it that I really want. And as you can probably relate to this, but you know, sometimes when you're in the midst of an internal mess, your go-to is to figure out what physically you can control. So there's nothing more cathartic to me than like emptying the closet, decluttering it and going through it, being able to choose what do I want to keep? What do I want to get rid of? And at the end of, you know, that decluttering session, sometimes you just feel a little bit better about life. So that's what I did when I was on leave. And what that practically meant was that my wife and I had shared the largest bedroom in our apartment. The two little girls were sharing the nursery, which was the smaller bedroom in our apartment. And I thought, in terms of real estate, why do we have this huge bed? I'm using huge very relatively. It's a very, you know, it's a nice size for New York City. But I was like, why are we in this large space and they are in that small space? Like, can we think a bit more radically about how can we use the real estate in our apartment and make this a space that is sustainable for our life? And so that was the big project that I did while I was on leave. And then once I transitioned back to teaching, it was that process of continually assessing and decluttering and sort of evaluating what do we want from our physical space, but what do I also need from a mental health standpoint? And as you also know, we're, especially if you're parents of young kids, you're constantly decluttering, you know? So when we talk, when you were talking about like routines and systems, like we've had to put routines and systems into place to stay on top of the inflow of new things that come in. So we can continue to say, this small apartment is just enough for us in this current season of life. I think so many of us have that moment when we've got little kids and I mean, babies especially, and that's a lot. And it puts you in this place of just reevaluating, needing to reevaluate things so that you can keep functioning and not just functioning, but like actually thriving and living life well. I use Sir Thrival that we've been in this like Sir Thrival season. And it is that idea of, being able to practically name what do I need to do to survive and what do I need in order for my children to survive? And then there's, but what could we also do in order to feel that sense of like thriving in this season? And when you sort of reconcile that Sir Thrival looks so different. And if you have a newborn, it's almost like month by month, Sir Thrival looks different. You know, you when you finally get that taste of oh my gosh, I've just slept for four hours straight and I feel like I can take on the world. Like that feels really good. Or, oh my gosh, we no longer have to store like diaper. Like we just, you know, with our three-year-old, I'm still like, my goodness, we've been without diapers for like the past six months. But for the past seven and a half years, we had to allocate diaper storage like in our home. So it's just interesting to think about that idea of Sir Thrival and how it can look so different in each season. So I relate to what you just mentioned. Yeah, I love that. I love that term, Sir Thrival. Well, can you explain a little bit about like how the physical tidying has connected with the deeper emotional tidying for you? Yeah. So when I, you know, I mentioned earlier that like moment in the fall when I was walking to school and I just found myself sobbing of like, what am I doing? And then realizing like, you have to get yourself together in these next like 20 minutes of your walk because you're Mm -hmm. about to enter a school building. I'm not saying that the teachers didn't care, the students didn't care, the parents didn't care, but my responsibility was to go in and care for all of the people in that school and make sure that everyone was safe. I felt that sort of like emotional load to be overwhelming, coupled with We had the two-year-old, the six-month-old. My wife was staying at home. She was still 
nursing the six month old. We had a two year old who was all over the place, busy. I would walk in, she was exhausted. I found that I was emotionally depleted. Um, you know, space wise, like I mentioned, we were trying to figure things out. So what I did was actually entered therapy at the same time because I was wrestling with what do I do with all of these thoughts and feelings that I'm having and how do I make sense of this emotional mess? And I realized that confronting the physical mess and the emotional or the mental mess that you can sometimes feel is very similar. Like the very first step before you're going to declutter anything is you have to clear the space. And so I found that I had to clear that mental space, everything that I had sort of like bottled up in my head. And I remember sitting down with my therapist and I was like, I just don't understand why I'm thinking and feeling in the way that I am. And she's like, because that's how you think and feel. And that's okay. And we can now pick apart, like, why is it that certain things bother you? Why are you triggered by certain things? Why do you think and feel in the way that you do? And so I feel like as we completed each little, like, tidy project, and one example that I'm always still very proud of is I have a very small closet. It's 14 and a half inches wide by about six and a half feet tall, and it fits all of my clothing for all four seasons of New York City weather. What I had to do is I had to develop a capsule wardrobe. It's concentrated around four core colors. And my colors are tan, burgundy, olive, and navy. When I was able to build a wardrobe around those four colors, what it allowed me to do was sort of take out the excess that had been in my closet. There were things that I didn't want to wear. There were prints that were out of style. I just wanted to simplify my life and have less decision fatigue. Because as we all know, we all have a million decisions that we have to make in a single day. And so if I can wake up in the morning and say, those navy plants, pants, go with that burgundy polo shirt, you're going to look fine, get out the door, that helped to simplify things. And so in the same respect, working with a therapist on what are some of the strategies that I can work through in order to manage some of the internal stress that I'm feeling. Um, And another example was walking into, which parents can relate to, you have a tidied space. Your kids go into play. It's as if everything in that room implodes and everything is everywhere. And the natural response, at first the response that I would have is, we've got to clean this up right now. Like we put everything away, Then choose that one thing and you can play with it. But an exercise I worked on with my therapist was walk into the room and name for yourself what you see. And a grounding exercise could be for you to name that you see your children actively engaged in play. She was like, then try to build the gap between the stimulus, which is you feeling overwhelmed, and your response of what you do about it. She's like, don't just walk into the room and say, everybody clean up. Name for yourself. What do you see? And then start to increase that time. It might start with two minutes. You may be able to handle that mess for two minutes. Then can you gradually make it five minutes? Then can you make it 10 minutes? And I think for me, hearing her say back, what is the worst thing that could happen? Like if your children go into their playroom and dump every single thing out, what is the worst that could happen? And when I was like, I don't know, it takes longer to clean up. <laughs> you know, she was like, right. Like I, I, I had that sense of like sort of catastrophizing the mess, but that's, that's how just simplifying, you know, my wardrobe, how it helped with the toys was we set up a toy rotation, which meant that The girls didn't have access to all of their things at one time, which means that they can't dump every single puzzle out at the exact same time and then not want to put the puzzles together because it's overwhelming. Like there were just tangible things that once I was able to clear, it's almost like a fog, just get out of the fog and begin to see some of those rays of sunlight coming through. I was then able to sort of ground myself and really feel like I had better 
sort of like tools to manage the mess that was around me. And my life is still very far from perfect. There are messes all the time, contrary to popular belief. Um, But I now have more tools in my toolbox to be able to handle those. Yeah, I... It's funny when you were describing that mess, I could like see we have a current fort building situation that keeps happening and we have two of those like nugget couches Mm -hmm. and that's fine because those are easy to clean up. But her creative mind makes it so that she should take also the chairs from the dining area and the like blankets and everything. And then it takes up the whole living room and the baby can't walk around. It's just like, okay, so how do we, I love, I love the idea of giving yourself space to react. I know that you were just giving kind of an example of, of how kind of decluttering your, you know, emotional reactions and just really thinking about how, how you respond to things. That was just an example of what we were talking about. But I think that specific example is so relatable to so many people who listen to, to this podcast, because there's just this balance between okay, I want to have less stuff. I want to have a peaceful home. And also my kids are kids and play is how they learn. And, and I, I just, I love that you mentioned that as your example, because not yeah. only is it like you're sharing your story, but also I can only imagine how many yeah. people can, can relate to that. And you just gave them a really great strategy, including me. <laughs> so yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just think it's, it's so interesting how our physical space does really tie in with our emotional and mental space as well um, to kind of get to a more practical level, which not that we haven't been there already, mm-hmm. I think we've been on both, but um, what shifts and routines kind of changed things the most for you? Yeah. So one of the most powerful was, um, you know, we've always had early risers, regardless of every sleep book I've ever read. Every unsolicited piece of advice that I've taken from people, I have not been able to shift my girls' sleep. They are early risers. So when I say early, like, I mean, when once we were out of the newborn stage, it's like from two on when some people's children were sleeping until like 7 a.m., mine were always up between 4.45 and 5 o'clock a.m. And so... One of the routines that has been powerful that has I have still been implementing for the past five years is just waking up before my children, because as a teacher um, and as a dad, I found that when my children woke me up, that meant that I was awake with children all day long until I got them to bed at night. So we were talking about from like 5 a.m., until the last one would walk out at like seven, seven thirty or eight. That's an incredible stretch of time, not to mention being with middle schoolers all day long who don't stop talking, you know, all day long. Yeah. So I decided I was going to lean into the rhythm of my family because I, there's one of two things you can do. You can lean into it or you can fight against it. I don't know many people who are successful at just fighting against it. So I just leaned into it. So I set my alarm to go off before my girls wake up. So when they were really little, that meant 4.30. So I would go to bed around 8.30 or 9, and I would set my alarm to go off at 4.30. Um, Now I'm able to set my alarm to go off around 5 because they get up now. They're so much later sleepers. Now it's like 5.30 or 5.45. But then some mornings I get the gift of like an hour and a half of alone time because they're up at 6.30. So I feel like for me in early parenthood, being able to take that time back and I learned that there was a major distinction between physical exhaustion and mental or emotional exhaustion. I could handle being tired, especially if things happened in the middle of the night, which they always do, versus feeling like I was on from the moment that I woke up. And so what I did was I thought with this morning time, I'm like, I can't just get up and like watch TV because we will all stay up late to watch TV, but Mm -hmm. none of us wake up early to watch that show. Like it does, it does not happen. So when I realized like 
The only reason why you're staying up late is because you're so exhausted from the day that you just want to binge watch a show. Like, can we shift this? So that's when I started. I gradually woke myself. I got up earlier, shifted my sleep, and then I started a weekday cleaning routine because I thought these marathon cleaning sessions on Saturday, like no parent can do anything for a sustained period of time. And if you think that if you can, during that sustained period of time, do something, are you really going to clean your house? Like, no. Like, they're little, like, walking tornadoes who will undo everything that you've just done. So, coupled with getting up early, I now clean one area of the house each weekday. And I feel like just being able to take back a little bit of that time, but then taking an overwhelming task and breaking it up over a series of days, just helped me then be able to transfer what I learned from those two routines to other routines that are important to implement throughout the week too. In my decluttering and organizational journey, one thing that I've had a hard time wrapping my mind around is all the vast array of digital files. From photos to random computer files to important documents, I've just always had trouble organizing these things. When I discovered Mylio Photos, I was so in love with it. It's a free app ready to help change our overwhelm with our photos and our digital life. From photos to videos to receipts to important documents, it can really do it all. And I've just loved using it to, one, get all of my photos into one place, but two, even organize things like my kids' art and schoolwork. That's been one of my favorite ways to use it. I just take a picture of significant kid art or their schoolwork that I want to keep in a safe place. And I just keep it all in one place digitally on my Leo photos in a folder. My Leo photos keeps a universal library of all of your digital files. It doesn't require the cloud. You can create folders and albums to manage your photos, videos, and documents. And MyLeo Photos can easily get rid of duplicates and similar images. I love the decluttering aspects of MyLeo Photos. Plus, you can personalize your library with face tagging. I love that all I need is an internet connection and I can just bridge libraries between my devices and my spouse's and keep everything in one place. Don't wait. Organize your digital life today. Download MyLeo Photos for free today on your computer or mobile device by going to our special URL, myleo.com slash minimalish. That's M-Y-L-I-O dot com slash minimalish. Download MyLeo Photos for free right now at myleo.com slash minimalish. I, I love the, the morning idea. I was just thinking about how When my first daughter was around one, I started waking up earlier and it changed so much for me. I was able to start this podcast like in that morning time. And it's true. Like once your kids wake up, it's your (laughs) and you're at work and doing whatever else, your ability to think clearly. And I don't know, just really. It's that idea of like of giving yourself like the first fruits of the day. Yeah. And it does not have to be, I was mentioning, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's 45. But you know what? Sometimes it's five minutes. I'm Because my youngest, Margaret, she loved, they, they all have a sixth sense. We're also in a very small apartment. So like they can mm-hmm. sense when I'm up. So some days it's, I get to wash my face and I get to start brewing a cup of coffee. But even just standing at the bathroom sink and washing my face alone, even if it's five minutes, is still a way that I'm like starting it. My first thought hasn't been, Oh my gosh, what does someone else need? My first thought is, okay, what do you need right now? And sometimes that's is to stand at the sink and wash your face and just have a little bit of quiet time to center yourself before the full day happens. Yeah. And I think, you know, saying that as someone who's parent whose whose kids wake up so early is going to be an encouragement to a lot of people listening it does it just makes a difference to to yeah. give yourself that time i mentioned that i started at 4 30 a.m but i'm no longer doing that you know now it's it's up to five which feels so much more luxurious than waking up in the fours um <laughs> but it's something where i've come to look forward to the time but it goes back to what we were mentioning earlier, that idea of survival, like 
what do you need in order to be able to thrive? And I realized I need just a little bit of quiet time. My wife does not want to wake up that early. And it's funny because at first she thought that I wanted her to wake up at that time too. And like two days in, I was like, Emily, I'm like, please don't take this the wrong way. (laughs) But I was like, can you not wake up at the same time as me? Because I just, I didn't want to have to negotiate with anyone, anything. And not that she wanted to negotiate, but I didn't even want to have to talk to somebody if I don't want to have to talk to somebody. So she needs something different from me in order to like manage that survival season. And I feel like that's okay. And so I feel like with all the people that you live with, even your kids included, like, you know, I've learned from my daughters, like having a newborn sister at home, they're going through their own things. And even talking to them about like, what do you need is just even at three or five, they can articulate like, I just want to read alone with you sometimes. And it's like, okay, we can do that. And so I feel like we've just tried as a family to work together as a team to understand what one another needs, but also what do we need from each of the different seasons? Because it's so different. And so like even going into this new, like back to school season, it's also with routines recognizing it takes a solid six weeks for anything to feel normal. And when you come to terms with the fact, like so much pressure is put on the first day of school. So much pressure is put on the first week of school. But even from a, I've been teaching, this is the 16th year. I know that when we start in Labor Day, the dust does not settle until mid-October. And when I have come to reconcile that and to just accept it, that helps to make me feel so much calmer because I'm like, we are only two days into six weeks. Like everybody just needs to calm down. It's going to get better. And that's so good because I think too, it's just, we question immediately, like everything we're doing, the minute it's not going Mm -hmm. as we've planned, but, or as we think it should Mm -hmm. look, you know, but if you're trying something new and, you know, that goes along with the back to school season that we're in right now, goes any new baby, whatever, like there's so many times in life where we're doing a new thing and trying a new routine, even it's, the minute it doesn't go well, that doesn't mean like we throw everything overboard, right? Right, right. And, and start from the beginning. I, I love that idea of six weeks. I mean, that's a lot. And I think moms can understand because they say six weeks is that like very beginning postpartum season. Like after that, things feel a little bit more normal. And it mm-hmm. means it doesn't feel normal, but it feels right. like you're a little bit out of the weeds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you can name to yourself and to your family, because you can anticipate what some of those seasons are, you know, like even back to school, like this week, I mean, as I'm going back to professional development, I have to remind myself, like, we joke because we're like, you can't make any, when you live in New York City, the weather is always horrible January, February, March. It's dark, it's cold, and everyone wants to move. And (laughs) we, my wife and I always joke, like, mid-February to the end of March, you don't get to make any rash life decisions. Like we're just not, we're not talking about anything future related. And it's sort of the same with back to school. Like we only have so much that we can handle that it's like, let's just make it through these six weeks. Um, And even like you were talking about before we got on or started recording of like homeschooling your daughter, you're a couple days in. Like, you have to give yourself that space and know that two days in is going to feel so much different than six weeks. But during those six weeks, you are not going to go enroll her in the public school. (laughs) You know that it's like no rash life or not going to switch teachers. Like you're not going to make your husband now be the homeschool teacher. And you're like, I'm done. I'm going back. Like no (laughs) rash life decisions. Um, But it's also knowing within those six weeks, like what are you going to let go of? Like, I just, you know, we typically like cook every night, but what just came in our grocery delivery order was like 15 frozen meals. After the six weeks, we'll assess what are we doing with meal planning again. For right now, knowing that I have those 15 like frozen dinners in the freezer just helps to lift that mental load of this six weeks of like transition. 
Yeah. I love that so much. And it's funny that you mentioned that because day two for us was the worst. <laughs> I was like, okay, how's this going to go? Then I had to remind myself, this is day two. Yeah. Like we're going to be okay. And even day four is better than day two was <laughs> not perfect. And I'm sure yeah. there'll be a lot of rockiness along the way, but, but yeah, it's six weeks. And you know, when we talk about even just like habit building routines, all of that, we always talk about it in the more long term. You can't just pretend like you're going to build a habit in three days. No. And the analogy that I use a lot of time is if you've ever painted furniture or even if you've painted walls or you've spray painted something, even spray paint, look at the back of the can and look at the directions for how to apply it. They always, all the directions are multiple thin coats and the same can apply to our routines, whatever we're trying to implement. Like so often we try to run out of the gates and we're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to set my coffee pot to brew overnight. I'm going to start an actual skincare routine. I'm also going to read a book and I'm going to join a book club. I'm going to make hot breakfast for my kids every day. The lunches are also going to be packed. Plus they're going to have their outfits picked out the night before. Plus I'm going to iron all of my clothes for the work week. Like I'm going to do all of that right now. And it's like the first time you forget to not set your coffee. Then it's as if you have felt failure or you, you failed to do one of those other things. Like the idea is, is that during those six weeks, you're laying on thin coats of spray paint and it's seeing now that I've mastered or tackled this one routine, what can I do next? And even the example with your daughter, like the goal of this week is can you make it through all of the days of homeschooling that you wanted to do? Like, do you just do homeschool every single day? That is a goal in and of itself. Or does your daughter not cry at a direction that you have given her this week of an assignment that she has to do? Like, that is a goal. Then next week it might be, okay, can we increase the amount of like learning time? You know, you just, it's this gradual layer, but first you have to get the foundation before you start to tackle all of the other things. I love that spray paint analogy. That's makes so much sense because we do, we all try to overhaul our whole lives <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of just one small thing at a time. One kind of related concept that you talk about is living with just enough mm -hmm. and how that mindset shift was a big one for your family. I think you kind of mentioned it earlier when you talked about how your apartment is, you know, just enough yeah. for your family right now in this season. Uh, can you explain just that mindset shift and what it looks like practically in your family's life? Yeah. So I feel like when we established our personal definition of just enough, I feel like that was really transformational. So you just mentioned like, what is just enough in this season? It is, having a 750 square foot apartment. What is just enough right now is, um, you know, thinking more practically about toys. Like we're, we're still in the like preschool years where developmentally they're changing so much and we've needed to allocate in our apartment space to actually store learning games, puzzles, toys, so what is just enough right now? Just enough means that we've set a geographical sort of like boundary with our toy rotation of how many toys or learning things can we fit at one time? Um, just enough. I was talking about a little bit with my clothing. Um, like just enough for me right now. I have, you know, I teach seventh grade. They are very kind, but they're also very observant. And they're like, Mr. Moore, why do you wear the same pair of shoes every single day? And I'm like, do you know why? Because they are waterproof sneakers. And I walk two miles to and from school every day. They, you can dress them up, you can dress them down, but I just need that one pair of shoes. That is just enough for me right now. And so I feel like with families, we all have different things that are interests or hobbies or ways in which we like engage with one another that I would never tell like someone who loves video games. Hey, by the way, um, you get to keep one video game. Like one video game is just enough for you. He may say, or she may say like, no, 
that's not just enough for me. But the idea is, is that we can't upsize all aspects of our life. Like you can't max out your square footage. You can't max out positional responsibilities at work. Um, At some point, something has to give. And so when you can establish what is just enough for our family or for me individually in this season, I feel like that then helps you make decisions. Again, going back to decluttering, like that then helps you make decisions about what do you keep versus what do you move out. And that idea of just enough, it does change based on season. And people ask us all the time. They're like, oh, you have one bathroom. You have three daughters. I I still do not understand why. There is so much stress from people. But they're like, what are you going to do when they're teenagers? And I'm like, I don't know, because the oldest one is eight. Like, you know, we do have some time. But right now, the one bathroom is like just enough for us. And that means that we have to decluttered toiletry. You know, we can't store much in our bathroom. We have very few toiletries, but like, it's okay. We're going to survive and not just survive. We're going to thrive. I I love thinking about like that concept of enough because it has been huge for us as well. And I think, you know, the way you described it, it really helps us be present in this season as well you don't need another bathroom right now. So you're not thinking about it. You're not worrying about it. You're not stressing about it. Not that that would be like what you're thinking about every day, but you know, I mean, it does, it has ripple effects of, we, we also have one full bathroom. We have a half, but it's something like when we moved and we don't have like an actual real bathtub, we just have Uh like a walk-in shower because older people lived here before us. Uh And so when we moved, we're like, Oh, what are we going to do? And then we found out a bathtub was going to be thousands of dollars. And we're like, well, we can make this work. (laughs) This is enough for us right now. You know, And the nice thing is, is that that little bathroom doesn't have to work for other people. If it's working for you and your family, that's what really matters. And like where it came from was when I really unpacked, why did I take that promotion at work? Like what what was it for? Okay. Was it for a little bit more money? Okay. Maybe so. Did it feel good to have the positional responsibilities and be deemed as successful? Like, yeah, for a little bit. Did it feel good to feel like I was moving along this very straight line career trajectory where we're taught you go for promotion, 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 promotion. Like, yeah, but we were. Com- I was completely maxed out in terms of the emotional, mental, and even physical energy that I had. So that's when I thought and sat down with my wife, and I'm like, "What would it look like to live with just enough?" And we were when we both said, "Like, you know what? Living on your teacher salary will be just enough right now." Does it mean that we can do X, Y, and Z? No. But for what we want from our current season, like this feels like just enough. And so I feel like there are so many comparison sort of traps that we get into. But as many people can to relate, the pursuit of more often leaves you wanting more. And like that, there is an insatiable desire for more and nothing is really ever enough. So when you can just name for yourself, what is just enough that will stop you from just like walking into target, just to walk into target and then walk out with a cart full of stuff. That's from that, like very appealing, like dollar section at the front, you know, when you didn't really need to go in there anyway, and you didn't really need anything, but yet somehow you just found yourself there. So even naming just enough, like, so we don't recreationally shop anymore. That's great. Now we just spend lots of time at the park or museums or going places. Like it's just, once you have that philosophy, it can really help. It's a ripple effect to other aspects of your life. Yeah. And I think it's, it's not the norm to live that way because like you said, it's more common and that's why we get stuck in these comparison traps too to want to climb that ladder so that you can get whatever it is, another bathroom or (laughs) a bigger apartment. As I say, people are like hermit crabs. 
So what hermit crabs do is, is they live in their shell until the shell is no longer large enough. And then they like kick themselves out of that shell and then they scurry across the sand and they find a bigger shell. And then they stay in that shell until that shell is too small. And then they do the exact same. And that's, that's what they do their, their whole little lives is they're fine. They're, they get the smaller shell and then they grow to fit it and then keep moving on. And unfortunately, you know, society sort of tells us to do the same. The idea is, is that the way in which you show that you're successful is you acquire more and more and more. But when you sort of stop that and say for yourself, no, this is just enough, that can then be a very freeing sort of mindset. And then you confidently say to someone, even if you go to a friend's house who has a beautiful clawfoot bathtub with one of those, like, I don't even know why people have them, but like the waterfall sort of like spout that goes into the tub. You can say, you know what? That is a beautiful bathroom. But then you can go back to your own house. You can hop in the shower and you can say, but you know what? I'm very content with this shower right now too. And you know why? Because X, Y, and Z dollars weren't spent on it and we're saving it for something else. And right now, this little shower is just enough. Yeah. And I always I always like think about other countries too because there's a, there's a portable little tub in my bathroom for a reason because there's people out there who also just like bathe their bathe their baby right. in a little tub, right. you know, because not everyone has It's funny. Like, I was about to ask you what you did, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's I mean it's a It's good for this season. It's actually a European product that yeah. I found on Amazon because it's more common that uh-huh. you know someone just uses a little like portable tub and we just keep it in our shower. We have luckily our like spout, you know, for our shower you can it's one of the ones that you can like pull down and Oh, we'll see you're already like I mean that that makes me envious of you because the girls <laughs> they're like whenever they see one they're like can we please have one? And I bet it would be easy to switch it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, probably. One thing that I kind of want to close with is you talked a lot about how survival looks different in different seasons. How do you kind of continually reassess that? Or even just like the routines that you have, like right now you, your morning routine is working really well to just Mm -hmm. like tidy one space Mm -hmm. of the house every morning. But how do you kind of come to just reassess different routines or when you need to reassess things, when you need to kind of question again, like, okay, well, what does just enough look like? What in this new season, what does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I feel like we're sort of on a cyclical calendar. So I feel like there are two natural points in the year where everyone is sort of reevaluating and reassessing. And it's the same for us as a family. I feel like you have new years and then you have back to school. And it's funny because even people who don't have children who are in school or are not working at all in the school system, we all still feel it because there's that sort of natural transition from summertime to fall time. And so what my wife and I like to do is it's sort of like a T-chart where it's like what's working and what's not. And it's making those two columns It's really helpful to start with what's working because oftentimes we're very quick to go with what's not. So we list out like in this back to school season, it's like what's working well. Like one of the things that's working well is I commute with my daughters to school each day. They're on their scooters. I'm walking. That's working well. I mentioned our waterproof sneakers. Like each of us having sneakers that are good for the wintertime and the springtime and whenever it rains is working really well. Um, me making breakfast for everybody in the morning. It's something that I enjoy doing. It's working well. My wife doesn't have to think about it. Um, what's not working well? The end of the school year, we were late every day leaving. I mean, I was able to like get us to pick up the pace, but it just felt a little bit frenzied. So what we're going to try to tackle at the start of this school year is, can we build in a little bit more margin even if it's just a few minutes, to not feel so frenzied. What else tangibly can we do to make it not feel so frenzied? We have our entryway where we have like our getting out the door station. Like we're going to move socks 
and uniforms all to that cabinet. They're not back in their bedrooms so that it's just so much easier for them to change and get their things on. They're all right by the door. We don't have to have the back and forth. Um, but I feel like that orientation of what's working and what's not is just so simple. There are times in the year to do it. Back to school, New Year's. You know, then there are other times where we sort of take stock of our household. Um, and one of those is the pre-holiday season. So we find that like end of October, first part of November is a really good time to do an inventory of toys and things that the girls are going to need so that we can go into holiday season giving people, because people want to buy stuff for the girls. They have very loving grandparents, but those grandparents need to be guided because if they buy us another baby doll, like talking about just enough, like we have like 30 baby dolls. The girls love baby dolls. Like we're sort of maxed out on baby dolls, but at Christmas time, the holidays, I don't want another baby doll coming in. So we've got to give them other ideas. So we do an inventory. Then we also do another inventory right before we head into the summertime because we're about to spend time home together. It's a good time to sort of like sort and go through. And so I do feel like when you as a family can sort of establish what are those sort of like cyclical rhythms throughout the year? What are some of the things that are predictable? And so back to school, New Year's is good, but then that like November and then late spring, I just feel like that also helps with the overwhelm because so often I will walk through this apartment and I'm like, let's do a huge clear out. And then my wife will say, we're about to start school. Now is not the time for the big clear out. Like we can do that later, but not right now. So those are... Those are some things that we found helpful um, in terms of routines. Yeah, I love that. Do you have any kind of last encouragements for someone who might feel like they want to start a similar journey of, you know, a lot of people come across this podcast if they want to start decluttering, tidying up, decluttering their life in general? Yeah, I feel like if you are just starting your decluttering sort of journey or even tidying journey, I feel like when you start... It's a time to be selfish and think about you. And I know that that's a very sort of weird thing to start, but particularly like parents, their immediate thought is, let me go and declutter my kids' clothing. Let me go and declutter their toys. Let me go and declutter all of the sentimental things that I've held on to from the time that my children were babies. And I feel like if you initially think of others, you're going to get stuck or burnt out or just stop. And so when I say focus on you, like the first place when I, so I imploded our apartment when I switched bedrooms with the girls and I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do to make sense of this? And the very first project that I actually felt proud about and tackled literally was my closet. And I realized like I had to focus on me first because getting my clothing in order And getting it where it reduced decision fatigue and where our whole apartment could look as if it imploded. But yet I could go to my closet and I could open up that closet door and I could see everything in rainbow order. I could see my nice vertical folds. And for some reason, there was just this sense of like calm that came over me. And so when you start with yourself, you're then able to transfer those decision-making abilities and your thought process to other much more complex areas of your home. But I do feel like anyone starting out, like think about you and think about what ideally you would do with your space that is your own um, before thinking about other much more complex areas. Yeah, that's that's so good. And those other areas are more complex because then you're thinking about how someone else might feel uh-huh. about or you have, to, or you have well. to ask someone like yeah. there are times when I don't want to ask anyone for anything. <laughs> and the only thing in my house that I really don't have to do that for is like my clothing, you know, that yeah. it's like, I know what I want to wear. I know what I like to wear. And if I feel the need to ask someone else what I should wear, that's a whole other sort of like, you know, you almost need to figure out like why, like wh- where is that coming from? Um, you know. Yeah. 
my my husband's gonna like this episode because he's gonna feel so seen. See, he feels that way every time he like wants to because he he's very like tidy by nature, and every time uh-huh. he just wants to declutter everything, he's like, I just feel like I can't because I have to ask everyone. Yeah, <laughs> about everything. yeah, but, and 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 even navigating that because like I'm sure that you all have because the other question I get all the time is like, what role do our daughters play? Like, what voice do we give them about what stays and what goes? And I do feel like, I mean, I'm not a big proponent of, especially when you're talking about kids that are like three and older, like I'm not a huge proponent of just go and declutter all of their things without them knowing or just hiding things away and waiting for them to ask about it. Because I do think that it can break some trust, but I also feel like it then the unhealthy attachments to things can form because there's this feeling of something's going to be taken away from me. Um, but I do feel like, you know, as parents and as individuals and anyone that lives in a home, you have to figure out who do you ask permission for, or what questions are you asking of others or what is your jurisdiction? Like, what do you have ultimate veto power over or decision-making power? Cause even with your husband, there may be things in your home that he really cares about. And there are other things that he could care less about. Like, I really like cleaning products. My wife, I, I'm the primary person who cleans our apartment. She doesn't really, she has so many things to care about. She doesn't really care about which like toilet bowl cleaner is really <laughs> my favorite. Like I don't have to ask her if I want to go and sort of like declutter and pull out. But there are other things that I do need to ask her about because she does have a much more vested interest. So I think that that is an important conversation to have. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I've just loved our discussion and everything we've talked about. And it's really perfect for the current season that we're in. But I do have two questions that Mm -hmm. I like to ask every guest. So um, the first one is, what's something that you're simplifying right now? Oh, something that I'm simplifying is um, my reading life. So I love reading. I love reading at least a book a week. Um, So simplifying has meant downloading the Libby app onto my phone and using my Kindle and relying on the wonderful libraries we have around, but it means that I don't have to go there. And so I just feel like having that power of always having a book at my hands is just something that has just helped to simplify all those trips back and forth and carrying things around. And I just love that it's all in one little device. Um, I love the Libby app. It's great. What's something else other than your uh, Libby app and Kindle and everything that you're loving right now? Um, I would have to say my robot vacuum. So I figured <laughs> out how to make my robot vacuum also has a mop feature. Oh, you can do not ever put the cleaner inside. There's a, there's a little thing that attaches on that you fill with water. People always think that I'm putting my cleaner inside. You don't do that because it will ruin your robot mop. You put it on the floor and then let your robot back go. But I'm telling you, I thought that it would save me a lot of time because I wouldn't have to mop. But really now I just stand and watch it mop. But there is, <laughs> but there is beauty in seeing it go back and forth. And someday I'll be able to walk away. But my goodness, just seeing something that mops just makes me feel so excited. <laughs> that's awesome I, love that. I mean you're just watching it do something that you don't have to do and yes but why do we stand there there are a million <laughs> things we could be doing but i'm like i'm just gonna stand here and drink my coffee and stare at this robot vacuum mop my floors and then vacuum the rest of the house but there's nothing more that i want to do in my life than just watch that. <laughs> that's great i love it well thanks again so much for coming on the show um where can listeners find you so on Instagram, I'm Tidy Dad, and you can also find me at my website, thetidydad.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope in the midst of whatever season or transition that you're in, whether it be back to school or adding a new baby to the family or the million other transitions that come with just everyday life, especially life with kids, I hope you'll remember the idea of layering on routines. And I hope you'll remember this idea that it takes at least six weeks. 
and things are constantly changing. I think for me, it really made me think about giving myself all the grace, giving my family all the grace, not just in the six weeks from the new routine we're starting right now with homeschool, but just like all the time because things are always changing with kids. I think because of the internet and all the fancy new routines that we see out there that we can adopt and the constant like self-improvement culture that we live in, I think it's really easy to feel like something is wrong when we're just not at our best and when things aren't running smoothly all the time. But that is just life. We put way too high of expectations on ourselves and the people around us and our families because there's so many transitions in life. We're trying to get acclimated to them. Our kids, our other family members, we're all trying to get acclimated to them in our own ways. So I don't know, that idea of it takes six weeks really spoke to me. This conversation was a breath of fresh air to me. I hope it was to you as well. That's all I have for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, would you share it with a friend? You could text it to them. You could share it on Instagram. You can share it wherever you like to share things. And I am so grateful for you for being here. I'm so grateful for you for listening in. We actually just celebrated 3 million downloads. And it was also Minimalish's five-year birthday this week. So I am going to do a big celebratory episode later in September. But I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being here, whether you are just starting to listen today or you've been listening all along or anywhere in between. I am so grateful for you. I am so, so grateful that you're here. And I will talk to you right back here again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.